Hello, and welcome to the e-commerce source podcast. My name is Andy Solhoff. I'm here with my friend and business partner, Tim McDougal. Tim, uh, how are you today? I'm doing good. I'm going to try not and sneeze or cough. Um, we have nice warm weather. Oh, here yes. In allergy season. Eastern Iowa. Yeah. And with that becomes allergy season. So my car is daily coated in uh, a nice coating of yellow dust, which is just pollen from the trees in the area right now. Yep. I don't have it as bad as, as Ted, our main uh, Amazon ads buyer does. He's getting absolutely crushed right now. I'm just a little stopped. Yeah. Up, so hopefully, hopefully voice comes across fine here. Oh yeah. Shout out and respect to all of you allergy sufferers out there. Hopefully you're able to enjoy the spring regardless. But uh, anyway, I'll take it. I'll take the warm weather and a little bit of uh, itchy nose. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. Drinks on a patio. There's so many opportunities now that the weather's getting nice here. And, you know, we're, we're moving into spring. So it's, it's awesome. So, well, uh, we got a fun topic uh, on deck uh, today. We've uh, had lots of conversations and this happens uh, daily, weekly to our clients. Uh, and the, the, the topic of the day is what do you do when your listing is getting attacked? So if you've been selling on Amazon uh, and you have done some volume, it's, there's a high likelihood that one of your products has been the focus of, a, a, of an attack by a competitor, whether that's a competitor's product or your own product. And, you know, what do you do? Somebody's coming after your sales. They're trying to, to uh, take your profit that's on your product. So what's, what's, the, what's the game there, Tim? Yeah, what are well, we- I think part of it is, is first, you know, just coming to the realization, this is part of the game on Amazon mm-hmm. or on Walmart, whatever you are, but really on Amazon mostly, but um, it's just part of the game. So accept that people are going to attack you. They're going to go directly after your business, directly after your listings at times, and they're going to try and cause you problems because they see you as a target. And that's yep. part of the game. So part of it's being able to recognize what's going on and when you're under attack. Uh, and again, this happens, you know, we manage thousands of SKUs for people and this happens weekly every week we're dealing with a bunch of these issues this is this is super frequent it's super common uh the first thing to do is recognize that you're being attacked and where you're being attacked and then recognize what type of attack it is and then to have some counters in place so that's we do this a lot yep. and this is a good topic to go through um yeah but first let's talk about you know what kind of brands we're talking about we work with small to medium-sized businesses for the most part which um is the bulk of things but we're not for the most part, our our base of companies we work with is not companies that can just throw a ton of money back at this every time and fix it, right? Um, and just take a bunch of losses and throw tens of thousands of dollars back at it and fix the problem short term. You know, we 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 have we have a lot of scrappy brands that we work with, and the ones that fight hard. And oftentimes, you know, we're fighting against brands that are bigger than us, or sometimes other scrappy brands are just finding an edge. Um, or sometimes scrappy brands that are willing to act a little bit uh, gray hat or black hat, and we have to fight mm-hmm. those too. So, um, you know, we're talking about scrappier brands. We're talking about listings that are specifically getting focused on and attacked by a competitor. So it's this is not just hey, my sales are down. I'm not as competitive. This is no, you're being you have a listing that's being directly targeted. Um, and let's look at the different kind of attacks. Like there's three big scenarios out here, and there's different kind of attacks for East, but. Um, the one we, one we see a lot is an on listings ad attack. Um, and this is when, uh, you know, we'll go into each of these in a little bit of detail, but this is when somebody just looks at your listing and says, I'm going to buy up all the ads on that. And I'm going to, I'm going to beat you on your own listing. Um, 
And that you, you see about, when, go ahead, yeah, So this, this is like, hey, you've got a product that is moving some volume. It's getting some organic traffic. Maybe there aren't a ton of competitors specifically targeting your product. Um, but you have somebody doing a, you know, uh, they, they recognize the, the sales velocity or the traffic that's associated with there. So they're doing sponsored yeah. uh, display campaigns or they're doing some, some other things this, that are. This usually hits when you have an, a listing that's doing really well. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's why it's particularly painful because you have a listing that's doing well. Somebody else is running a Helium 10 or a Jungle Scout and they realize you're doing well as well. And they decide to target you and try and take some of that volume from you. And usually you see that, we'll go into the details on it, but when your traffic is fine, but your, your conversions all of a sudden drop. Um, yep. And there's other things. When, that doesn't mean when your traffic is fine, but your conversions drop. That's not the only thing that could be wrong. It could be that there's, you know, there's a rogue variation attack and there's a rogue listing attack. We'll go into those briefly as well. Other things that could happen. So if it's not that, you know, if your traffic is all of a sudden way down, um, there could be a, key, uh, a keyword market squeeze attack going on. Uh, and we kind of have ways to diagnose that and look at that that we'll talk about. And then there's also, um, you know, if you just start losing buy box, your session traffic is fine, but your buy box capture rate goes way down on your own listing. Well, there could be a retail arbitrage attack going on there, or it could be an attack from another marketplace platform. Um, so there's different things of attack. And again, this doesn't happen on every issue, every, every item or SKU every week, but across the portfolio of, of SKUs that we manage and ASINs we manage on it, this is happening multiple times a week. It's happening every day that we have to go in and kind of diagnose these spot them. Yeah. We, we should probably start, Andy, by saying that um, to do this, you need a system, right? Um, yeah. To spot And I, I just want to take a step back. Yeah. This, this is like a rite of passage for anybody selling on Amazon is to 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 have this happen to you. To And yes. all three of those scenarios that you, you just outlined, Tim, are different ways of, you know, seeing that your sales are down or, or whatever. Uh, and figuring out what the issue is. And, you know, sometimes, you know, our clients, especially early on when they're not experienced with uh, any one of these things, they might uh, react uh, fairly strongly and fairly negatively uh, yes. to, to when this happens. But this, this is a rite of passage. Like if you're, if you're going to be a good seller on Amazon, this is going to happen to you. Yeah, the first reaction typically from any of our partners that we work with when, they, when we first explain that they're under attack is, is isn't there a legal way to stop them from attacking us? Like, can you just, or can you call Amazon and tell Amazon to have them stop attacking us? And it's, no, these are all legitimate ways to attack other listings. Um, and so, yeah, as Andy said, there's usually a, a first rite of passage you go through that's, when I said first, like you have to realize this is part of the game. Um, yes. This, it is part of the game. It is something you're going to deal with. Um, the first couple times it happens, usually there's a lot of, panic and misgiving and a lot of talk about how Amazon sucks and maybe we shouldn't be on Amazon, um, even though it's, you know, most of the online market. Um, and so you kind of have to work through that. If, if you're an agency or a freelancer working with uh, a client, then you have to kind of work through that stage, that, that stage of grief. Um, but it is normal. It happens all the time. Again, we're dealing with this every day. Um, this is yeah. kind of an everyday thing. And this is part of a, you know, you're in a very competitive environment. There are thousands of, pro- there are millions of products on the shelf. They're going to fight each other. Um, yep. But first things on this, um, we should say consumers aren't robots, right? Sometimes your sales are down because consumers are basically little uh, hunks of probability wandering into Amazon. Like they may or may not buy your product. It's not certain. Consumers aren't robots. They don't act the same way every time. Sometimes you're just down or sometimes you're just up just because 
you know, Joe in, in Podesta decided to buy your product this week. And the next week mm-hmm. he might've been feeling differently and didn't buy anything when he was on his session. So sometimes yep. things are just, things just move, right? So this doesn't mean that every little change in traffic or purchase rate is always explainable by somebody attacking or anything else. Um, don't get caught in the trap of assuming that every little change is something that can be diagnosed and corrected. Sometimes there's some just there's some random probability that happens in this. Um, yeah, but you do want to spot the ones that are real, right? Yeah, and and I think you know a lot of times when we see if a if a listing has or product has a down sales week or something, one of the first places that I go is to go look at the listing. Are we do we get some negative reviews? Uh, yeah. Have has somebody asked a question? Has you know what what's on the the listing um, that could be causing this issue because, like you said, you know, just having a new uh, featured or most helpful review coming up at the top of your review section can influence things in a positive or a negative yeah. way. So, um, to, to your point on, you know, consumers might see something or that uh, um, on your listing that might might change some things. So, that's, yeah. So uh, one thing, that, like the easiest thing you can do there, just what you call walking the store, right? This is your, this is your e-commerce store. If a listing's off, go to it, eyeball it. Like that's the, sometimes you can just solve the problem right there and not have to do all these other systems things that we, that we're talking, going to talk about in a minute here. But, but yeah, walk the store, go look at your listing. The same thing, you know, if you were running a Walmart and your sales in the drinkware category were down and you're the manager, you're going to walk over to the drinkware section and, hey, you might find, crap, we have a bunch of empty shelves or, somebody came through and just messed everything up and pushed everything around and it's a, it's a mess. So what do we need to do on this? Right. So you look at that first. Um, now if you, if you go do that, if you look at the listing, there's nothing obvious. Now there's a bunch of other things you can look at here, but first you need to set up an alarm system. If you're, if you're only managing a handful of SKUs, you probably don't need this, but if you're like us and managing thousands of them across the board, you need an alarm system set up. Um, and our alarm system is all data-driven, metrics-driven. Um, so what we do, and you, you can find your own way on this, but this, this isn't the only way to do it, but I can, we can walk you through how we do it. Um, but we build a tracking sheet, and on that tracking sheet is part of our kind of ongoing data capture for any of our partners or the stores that we own, right? Um, there's there's going to be six key metrics you want on here um, that you're going to want to pull and we pull them each week and then we kind of list a week over week so we can see if there's a change. Right. Um, but the six metrics and some of these you get directly by pulling them out of Amazon's reporting to some you have to calculate, but one is gross sales per week. That's easy. Another is sessions, uh, per week. So you want to look at how many sessions you're driving. Uh, you want to look at your buy box capture rate, which is a percentage. And you can get all these on the sales detail report that's in the standard sales reporting. Uh, on Amazon seller. And we're talking seller here. All these things really apply to vendor as well, but vendor is a little bit different to manage. So we're going to focus, we're going to focus seller on this one, but you pull your buy box capture rate. Then you have to calculate your buy box sessions, which Amazon doesn't show you, but you can get too easily. And that's just your sessions multiplied by your buy box rate. So if you had hundred sessions and your buy box capture rate was hundred percent, well, you got a hundred buy box sessions. If your session rate, if your buy box capture rate was only 50%, well, you only got 50 buy box sessions. And uh, this is important because then you want two different conversion rates. You want to show your typical conversion rate, which is the Amazon way of doing it, which is unit sold divided by sessions. Um, but then you also want to show your buy box conversion rate. 
which is units sold divided by buy box sessions. And that's why we calculate that. And so for us, like those six fields, if we list them, can give us, and then we compare, have each one week over week and whether they went up or down. And usually what we'll do a lot of times is just, you know, we dump these into Excel and then in Excel, you can use, uh, uh, you know, you can use conditional formatting within Excel, which is what we do. Just say, you know, highlight the top 10 increases and the top 10 decreases for each of the categories, put the top 10 things that improved in green and make them bold is like to keep it simple and stupid um, and take the top 10 decreases and put them in red and bold. Right. So we're getting into the weeds on that here, but there's, you can set it up easily where you can see the highlights at a quick scan. And that's part of the purpose here is to make scanning this easy and fast so you can spot issues. And we do it weekly, but you can do whatever time frame works. Usually in a week, we figure we can catch things pretty quickly. Um, yep. And uh, what you're looking for is the biggest, usually what we'll look for first is what are the biggest changes in gross sales? That's what I, I look for that first, right? And then go through the other metrics to see if I can spot and diagnose an issue on it. Um, you can, and Andy, we've looked into this, right? We've even looked into contracting out for, to build something. You can use third-party software for a lot of this, but it doesn't do it all. Um, and that's yeah. the reason we pull to Excel sheets, which some people view as super tedious, but uh, we view as necessary because, and, and the reason is not just because we like being Excel geeks, it's because the Amazon API, which third-party software relies on, does not let some of this data be, uh, be accessed. So yeah. basic and things I'll, like I'll never, sessions, go ahead, and I'll never forget when you and I were on a call with a vendor, and I don't even remember who it was, uh, to be honest with you, about uh, that was aggregating Amazon data. Yeah, he was a smart guy. Smart guy. Absolute shock and disbelief that we were not going to go with his company because you could not pull uh, session data, buy box capture rate, and that information using his software. Their software was almost all entirely ads driven, and uh, so it, it was one of those things that was, well, you can you can look at the ad spend, you know, but you couldn't look at the ad spend by Azen. You couldn't look at the buy box capture yeah. rate by. There was just the the lack of visibility to it. And it wasn't it wasn't due to their software being a poor software. The software was fine. It was the fact that Amazon didn't make the endpoints available so that you could they could actually even show us that information. And so well, he was at first um, shocked that we didn't go with him because he was offering to custom build to our specs. And then his shock was not with us. It was that some of the basic things we were looking for, like traffic data, praise it. Yeah. That yep. he couldn't access it. Um and and you know, and again, it wasn't this guy. This guy was a very good developer. <laughs> and built some really good systems for some other things, but you can't access uh, session data, for example, or buy box capture rate, which are really key for us in diagnosing if there's a problem and do we need to counter it. Um, and I think to, for anybody really trying to proactively manage their Amazon efforts, those are two really key data pieces you need. And unfortunately, um, you have to go in there, manually pull them and dump them into a spreadsheet and do a little manipulation to make sure you got the right stuff. Um, yep. which to be honest, isn't that hard once you set it up the first time. But, um, but, but if anybody has deep fear of Excel, it helps to get past that because it's <laughs> Amazon makes all the information available, just not available via a third party software tool. You have to actually download it and dump it to something and look at it. So let's go through the different alarm scenarios, attack scenarios, right? Uh, so let's go through scenario one and we'll go through the brief description of how do you spot it? what's going on, and then what counters you might have. Um, scenario one is that your traffic is fine. 
your traffic hasn't moved. Your traffic is really steady. It's, you know, it might be up or down two or 3%, but your traffic is really steady, but your conversions have all of a sudden plummeted. Um, and this happens all the time, right? Um, there's a couple different things that can cause this. The thing that happens uh, most often to us, to be honest, uh, and this is after you should always just go look at the listing first, right? If all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like Amazon's deleted your product title, which happens, by the way, um, or all of a sudden Amazon's put the wrong photo in the lead, and it, you know you're you're advertising a face cream and it shows a package of batteries. That's also happened. Um, you know, just check that to make sure there's nothing really obvious, but. The thing you're really looking for here um, are the ad positions underneath the listing, uh, if you see this. So this is one of the first things you want to check. There's two ad positions on most listings. There's one right under the buy box. And I'm talking about the desktop view, not the mobile view, which works a little differently. But uh, on mobile view, there's still these positions. But there's one right under the buy box. And then there's one a little bit below your bullet point descriptions as well. Both are visible to any user who's looking to buy your product. If by the time they get to the buy box, they can see these two. Um, and if all of a sudden you see, and, and again, look at it, go to your, go to your uh, pull up an incognito window on Chrome or your whatever browser you're using and go, go to Amazon and look at your listing through the incognito window to see how anybody else views it. So it's not, so you don't have Amazon uh, tailoring the ads to your particular uh, traffic patterns because yours are going to be different and weird if you're an Amazon seller. Uh, But go and look on Incognito and see if you keep on seeing the same competitor each time you refresh it and they've just kind of bought up all the impressions. Um, This happens a lot, especially with uh, if somebody's a new competitor launching, they'll buy up, they'll try and buy up all these positions. They're going to look for, um, if they're trying to compete with you and they think you're a strong listing, they're going to jump right on top of your listing and try and steal uh, sales from it. And especially if they're launching and they go with a um, they go with a similar looking but a cheaper product, which is a very frequent mm-hmm. problem that we see, right? And yep. an example of this would be you're selling a set of four 20-ounce cups and somebody decides they're going to put their 16-ounce cups that look really similar um, as one of these competitive ads on your listing and they can afford to sell that for less, right? And if the consumer looks at it and says the two pictures are relatively close, they look like the same kind of thing and this one's a couple bucks cheaper, you're going to lose, you're going to, you're going to lose traffic to that listing. Now you, you know, you've gotten organic traffic or you've bought an ad to get to traffic and now you've kind of given that traffic to your competitor on it. Um, you know, another example, we have somebody, you know, if you sell your lip balms in a 0.75 ounce tube and somebody else does something that looks pretty close and, you know, they're not mimicking your product, your, your label or product design, but they're selling something that looks like a, another six pack of lip bonds, but they're selling them in 0.5 ounce tubes. Well, that's not visible in the photo size matters, but Amazon's really bad at relaying relative size and photos like that. They're going to sell theirs cheaper because they can afford to, and that's going to pull traffic away. So you have to kind of know when these things are happening, it can happen because they just, they decide to lower their price. So often when we've hit, when this is worse, when we see somebody putting a competitive product and they're either dropping the price to get share or they're selling something that looks similar, but is smaller for example, mm-hmm. and dropping the price that way. And you want to you wanna look for that. Um, and again, you spot that by saying, okay, this listing, we've, we've lost some sales. Now I go look and now I see that sessions were up, but conversion rate was down. My buy box is held steady. Okay, now this is one of the causes I'm going to look at here. Um, yep. So, so what's think, our solution there, Andy, when we yeah, see that? So the, the easiest solution to that is just to take over the, that position. 
yeah. with your own products, uh, preferably with uh, two different products uh, other than the product that's being attacked. So uh, you mentioned your drinkware. If there's two other similar products in that category, um, you can take a, a sponsored display campaign and you can target the product that is being uh, attacked. And then you basically drive up your bids till the other person kind of goes away. Now, you know, just the note here is that you don't want to uh, drive up your bids and your spend so much that you, you're there 100% of the time. I mean, you want to be there the majority of the time, but at the end of the day, you just want to kind of send a signal to the ads marketplace that, hey, we're in here and we're going to protect this space. Because in, in all likelihood, you're likely going to be able to pay less for that space because it's your own listing. You're more relevant uh, than yeah. than a competitor would. So yeah, and this is we call this just paving your own listings. Uh, when you get attacked like this, you want to pave all the ad spots with your own products. Uh, and and again, you do this via dis- via sponsored display ad campaigns. Our the best tactic that we found is usually you create two different campaigns, one targeting each of those two spots, and usually pick hey, what are the things in our product portfolio that are similar enough to this? They're not the same thing, but they're at least in the same general category that aren't on the same parent listing. So they have to be a different parent listing. But you target those two spots and you just walk the bids up until, you know, until it becomes uncomfortable for that competitor to keep trying to buy up all that space. Usually when they're attacking those, those are in general cheaper ad spots than top of display, top of search, sponsor product, uh, which are more expensive. What, they're, what they've seen is they can get in there for pretty cheap and they can buy up those ad spaces. And if they have an offer that looks price competitive, they think they can steal your traffic. So you just walk those up until it's no longer a good deal for them to buy it. Um, now you're going to, your ACoS, it does impact your ACoS a bit, not a ton. Um, it's not like your ACoS is going to double, but this is, you know, if you're, it, it will move your ACoS up a little bit. Um, but you want to drive it up until you own most of that space and you're not losing a big share of traffic to a competitor that's trying to underprice yeah. you. Well, and this, and this is where it's like, just becomes a little bit of a balancing game because, you know, these campaigns are not generally going to spend a ton of money. These, uh, you know, pay, when we're paving the listings, uh, going with that strategy in those two campaigns, uh, but they're going to spend a little bit. And so you just need to be able to sort of judge those campaigns independently from any ACOS goals. And then as things sort of find an equilibrium here with competitors being on your listing, you being on the listing, you can drop the bids down a little bit and just you know, pay attention. When does when does somebody jump all back into the mar- the uh, bids and mm-hmm. marketplace there, and when do they kind of stay out? And just try to try to make sure that you're balancing that sort of protective ad spend uh, compared to your proactive sort of new yeah. new um, you know your 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 campaigns that are really targeted at an, at an ACOS target, and you're trying to try to grow efficiently. Yeah, and this is a defensive spend, right? And um, that's why you're doing it. Again, you're not going to lose a ton of volume because if you're, you're not going to lose a ton of your ad spend because you pay by the click. Um, and if somebody's looking for a particular product of yours and they're on it um, and you're showing other products in your catalog, well, if they click on the other ones, they're likely going to buy them. So good, you're in a fine position there. But they're usually on the one they want. And the only thing that pulls them away is if somebody's offering something that looks, looks very, very similar, but is lower priced. So you, know, you want to pave your listings on this. There's a couple other things that could cause this dynamic of your sessions are up or your conversions have really dropped that we should cover. Um, 
One is that, um, you know, as we mentioned before, you know, shop the aisle, walk the aisle, look at your listing, make sure there's nothing broken or, bro- you know, make sure, make sure nobody social engineered with Amazon support and got the wrong image up there or your, nobody, you know, your product title or bullet points didn't break. Um, there's also a possibility that somebody put up a rogue variation. Um, and that's, if you go on your listing, all of a sudden you see variations that you didn't place there. And there are things like the, it says like the 2023 edition, when you know you don't do annual editions of your own products, or it says the deluxe edition. This is a common, uh, black hat tactic to go on there. If you're retail arbitraging, uh, instead of just being another seller listed under the variation that can't sell for the same price, you list it as a 2023 version or updated version or deluxe version to make it seem like it's better than the main product. And you try and just steal and siphon some users off of that that bite on the bait. Uh, if you see these, then hopefully you're, you have registered your brand and you're part of brand registry. Then you immediately file a case with brand registry. And this used to be a really hard thing to remove. Brand registry has gotten really good at within 24 to 48 hours wiping those things out. And they'll either merge them under your main variation or they'll, they'll ban that seller from selling that SKU to, sometimes too for being for using obvious, if the seller has a history of it, the, the third-party seller, they'll eventually get banned because this is a behavior Amazon's trying to cut down. But it still happens a lot. So if you mm-hmm. see that deluxe or 20, or just any variation that's, wait, this is the same thing I'm already selling. They just tried to create a new variation on it. You know, get rid of them. And the fourth possibility is the one that's kind of the worst one, but it doesn't, doesn't usually last very long. And that's if Amazon suggests a similar competitor with a lower price. And Amazon will often do that. Amazon, they'll put a little Amazon suggests right kind of right next to those ad positions. Um, and you can't move Amazon off of that. All you can do is decide whether you want to weather the storm on that or if you just want to move your price temporarily. But, you know, Amazon's going to do that when they think that somebody is offering a much better deal in the market and they're going to throw that yeah. out there. And that doesn't usually siphon a ton of sales, but it can siphon a little bit. It, can cause, it will cause your conversion rate to dip if Amazon starts doing that. If they do it, take good note because that means somebody is out there with a product that Amazon thinks converts better than yours. Um, and it's worth a little study. Should we go to scenario two? Yeah, let's talk about uh, scenario two. So this is the situation when your traffic is down. Um, yeah, and, and so. we're going to talk mainly about uh, your traffic is down. And this is uh, the main scenario that happens here is a, a keyword market squeeze is what we're calling it. But it's it's all of a sudden somebody's buying up all the keyword traffic for your top keywords. And this again happens when somebody new comes into the market, they're just going to spend heavily. We have, we have a, a partner in the wine preserver space. So, you know, stoppers and systems that preserve wine bottles. Um, and we saw this happen. It was because a new competitor from China um, came in and they were spending ridiculous, a brand we never heard of before, but they were spending ridiculous money. And for all of our top keywords, which, um, you know, there's usually four sponsored products positions at the top of search for all of our top keywords on this particular product. Um, sometimes all four of them would be this new brand. Uh, and they were just spending through the nose to capture all the brand impressions, uh, all, the, all the category impressions right now. Um, so with this, you know, what you want to do going into this is you should always have a list of, you know, how many spots for your top keywords. And you should know what your top keywords are. Um, well, how many sponsor positions are at the top of the page for each one? So that says how many competitors you got, you know, if there's only three, you got to be in the top three to be up there. If there's four, you got to be in the top four. Um, 
but you want to know how many are there for each keyword. And it does vary. There's different templates for each keyword about how many are up there, right? Um, and do some eyeball research. Again, go incognito mode, go do the searches, you know, search for your own keywords and see who shows up there um, for a quick read on it. So you can see who's buying it. If, and, you know, if you do a bunch of different searches and it's always the same competitors, you know, they're, they're trying to corner the market at least for a while on keywords. Um, and you can also look on, you know, you can look on Helium 10, but there's a data delay on that. Helium 10 data is not going to be current. It's going to be great for looking at the past couple months. Uh, yep. But if something just happened like in the last couple of days, Helium 10 is not going to be able to help you yet in that because they haven't absorbed and processed that data. Um, yeah. So I, I think one of the other things, just kind of noting here, one of the ways that I can see this too is when uh, I look at a listing and I say, you know, a couple things, right? Our clicks have not gone down or our clicks have been flat, um, but uh, our overall number of buy box sessions uh, is is down. So like I'm paying the same amount, my clicks to the the product are 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 the similar, but I'm just not getting nearly as as much of the the market and or the traffic in search. So, yes, there's a couple um, ways this can be going on, right? So one, it, so there's a couple reports you should run to get into the details on this. One is an impression share report. And if you don't know where those are, because, um, and many people listening might, but if you don't, because we also find a lot of people who don't know where these kind of reports that are buried deep within Amazon are, but if you go to the advertising section and then you go to campaign manager and then go to measurement reporting, then go to sponsored ad reports, then you can create a report and you look for the sponsored products, search term impression share report, you can create that report. And that will give you what's your impression share and you can set a date range. So usually what we'll do is, hey, we were doing fine during this time period and here's the time period where things drop. Let's pull, let's pull those two date ranges and see if there's a difference. Did we, you know, were we getting 20% impression share in this keyword before and now we're getting, and Amazon will tell you just less than five is what, you know, you drop below five, they don't tell you a number anymore. Did we just drop, right? Um, that can give you some backup to say, I mean, are we just not showing? But the other thing that Andy, you were mentioning here was, you know, where's your ad placement on this? The things we're getting to on this. So you can also, in the same reporting section, look for a placement report, which we'll use to help diagnose this. But this will show, did your ad appear in top of search? Were you just lower in search? So you weren't at the top of the page, but if people scrolled down deep enough, they could find you, which is a cheaper position, but it doesn't convert nearly as well. Um, were you showing on, were they running your ads on competitors pages? You know, where else were you showing? And just see if your percentage, if, you know, the number of ads you had top of search dropped or the number of impressions you had top of search dropped. If that dropped, you're going to see a big drop in traffic. And that's what we'll often see when like there's four positions and we have a challenger brand and we're kind of fighting to get in that fourth position at the top of sponsored search, um, sponsored products ads. You know, if somebody new comes in, they can knock us out of that. And all of a sudden we aren't getting any type of product uh, or top of search ads on it. And that's that, that, that reports a good way to go in there and look, um, actions for this one, this one's tougher because this one means you're going to have to either just kind of ride it out or you're going to have to, well, there's a couple things you can do. One thing you should do right away is look for longer tail keywords that you can start throwing in yeah. there and see if they get traction because you pay less, the longer your keyword is, are you going to have lower search volume? but you're going to pay less per click on those. And Amazon's just saying, you know, you're more relevant. If you put a longer, longer tail keyword in there and somebody was searching for that, then you are more relevant. We're going to give it to you for less than the person who'd spit on the broad one. So build up your list of longer tail keywords and 
launch a bunch of them and test and see which ones might get some traction. You can claw back some ground there without having to raise your bid price. And then on the main keyword, you're going to have to test and see if you can move up in bid price a little bit and get back in that top of search. Um, or you yep. decide you can't take the, the margin hit on it. Um, but usually you want to at least take some tests on different pricing levels to see if that gets you back into search and see, you know, if you're just being priced out because you could be, they could be spending at a giant loss and you just don't want to match that. So you're just going to take, take your lumps for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. But, and I think that this is a point to note too, is having a good campaign structure on your account so that you can control the budgets and the bids, uh, yes. you know, uh, really tightly. And, you know, you got to get there over time. Right. But um, on your most important keywords, being able to control bids and budgets on, you know, with a single keyword ad group is, is really important. Yeah. And like you mentioned, Tim, maybe you launch more single keyword ad group uh, campaigns on some of the longer tail search terms to force some ad spend on, on those longer tail and hopefully less expensive uh, search terms to uh, see if you yeah. can can regain some traffic there. And if you're trying to figure out what your longer tail keyword possibilities are, there is also in that same section a keyword report. So you can pull the keyword report and see what people are actually using for queries. Those are your first stops. You can you can use t- tools like Jungle Scout or Helium 10 too, and they'll tell you what, what keywords your competitor is ranking for and give you some ideas there too, uh, or what search queries they're ranking for. Um, but that's where, you, you know, go longer tail, and if longer tail... You still need more than you got to figure out if you can bid up on the main word. And usually these things pass. I mean, if somebody's spending enough to corner the market on the, a particular keyword, they usually can't sustain that for, you know, we've seen three to four weeks is about the length of when somebody really goes after one of those big pushes. Um, and then they have to back off a little bit because it's just not profitable. They're doing it because if they raise their, they can get market share. They can also get better organic at the end of it because now they've, you know, they've sold a lot of product. They've got their velocity going from a cold start if it's a new product. Um, and so it's, you know, can you weather it? Can you afford to move your bids up? Can you attack? Um, but those are kind of the counters on that um, to try and fight that. And, and I also look at this as a way to spot new competitors. There's been a couple cases recently where we've seen these kinds of attacks and realized there was a new competitor in the market and one that we realized had venture funding um, behind it. So they had deep, deep pockets uh, to go against. And that kind of, you know, that affects your strategy of how aggressive do we want to be short term? Um, how do we want to look at this? Just kind of look at all the options on it. Um, let's get to our third scenario here, Andy. So we, um, so we don't run way, way over. But yeah, this yeah. third scenario, oh, do you want to start, set it up? No, go for it. Go but for this it. is a, so this is, um, you know, your sessions might be fine, but your buy box rate all of a sudden plummeted. Um, and there's a bunch of things that can cause your buy box rate to drop, right? And then just just for clarification, this is where your uh, the number of buy boxes that you capture as a percentage of the total sessions to your product goes down. So this yes. case might be where you are at a ninety five percent buy box rate. So you're getting ninety five out of every one hundred sessions, and maybe you go down to fifty percent or sixty percent or some some number that is meaningfully down from you're just not in the buy box, you're not in the buyer's seat or whatever, however you want to say it, uh, yes. for your product for whatever, whatever reason. So. And, and usually that means you have uh, retail arbitragers who are undercutting you on your own products. They, they found a leak in your supply chain somewhere. We talked about that in other podcasts. And they're going to sell on your own listing for less. Um, 
that's usually where that's coming from. But that's, if that's what's happened, you want to understand it. And your actions here are really, you, know, you can't out advertise them. You can try and drop your price to match, but you're just kind of driving the whole price down. You can keep your price up, realize you're going to get hurt for a little while and just let them sell out of their product. But the main thing you need to do long-term here is just shore up your production or your uh, supply yeah. chain. So you don't have leaks occurring. Some retail arbitrage at all times is normal because you're always going to find mom and pop retail arbitragers who are, who are just, if your product sold at brick and mortar, they're going to go and look for dollar store things or anything where your product's on clearance. They're going to try and snatch it up and then flip it on Amazon. That happens all the time. So if you see a little bit of that activity, it's normal. If you see a lot, um, you know, the long-term solution is this is you really got to look to see how are they getting it and yeah. and how do you close that gap in your supply chain up so that you're not releasing at a bargain price a large amount of supply to somebody who's going to undercut you. If you find it's from a distributor, that means you have to, A, check your distributor agreements and make sure you have it on there that they can't resell. Um, and once that's in your agreements, then they can't resell on Amazon directly to consumers, right? Uh, if that's not in your agreements with your distributors, you need to put them in your agreements with distributors. Many large distributors, if you're selling through a distributor that then sells to brick and mortar, have side businesses they've started up to retail arbitrage things on Amazon. And so if you're selling to them at a good wholesale price, very frequently you'll see them be the ones telling against you undercutting your price on Amazon, which you really don't want. That's not why you're selling to them wholesale. Um, and they're just coasting off of traffic that you've paid to build up at that point, which is really, you know, you can look at it one way and sell while well, the product's still sold, great. Uh, but that's not what you're trying to do by selling direct to consumers either. Um, yeah. And so, I think on, on this note too, as what I've found is that having some sort of aggress, some level of aggression towards these folks is always the best approach because you want to signal that long-term there's not going to be profit there for this person if they're trying to do this, right? So if yeah. they, if say, if they're buying from a distributor, you know, and they're getting it at a wholesale cost and they're flipping it on Amazon and trying to make a buck. Well, if they're going to cut costs on you and you match and you take buy box, you know, you, it's worth it to take that little bit of a margin hit to signal to that person that like, just get out of here with this stuff. Like if, if and the level of effort that they're going to have to go to is just, you know, not worth it. You want to, you want to make sure that they know that they're not just going to be able to sit on your product and sell it at a lower price and you're not going to notice because, you know, that happens, right? Is that sometimes there might be some listings that have good traffic and they're not being actively managed well enough to, for somebody to, to realize that a price change needs to take yeah. place or some different ad strategy needs to take place. But I, I, that's my opinion. Well, that's a great point. And I, all, I, I didn't always, even have those but, that in the notes, right? But that's a great point of, you know, when they do that, Drop the price to where you know, because their margins aren't as good as you. If you're the manu if you're the maker of the product, their margins on flipping it and undercutting on price are not as good. But it still may be enough for them to say they're making some money on it. In that case, we usually do advise drop your price and tend to signal that you're always going to match their price and drive it to where they have zero profit because you should be able to still make margin where they can't. They have all the other same costs. They're just buying the product from you wholesale. So they're paying a higher price than you're paying to manufacture it and find the point where it doesn't make money for them. And then, then once they leave, you can move your price back up. Mm -hmm. They don't usually come back because they're usually trying to find the ones, as Andy mentioned, where the 
person managing the online business just isn't watching the store. Uh, and then they'll go to town on those for a while. But if you show the signal that you're watching the store, you can go in there and set up in the back end of Amazon pricing automation that says, you know, always, always sell for a penny less than the other lowest seller to this floor and then stop. Yep. Right. Um, and Is, that will, that will happen note. real, you'll move them off that real fast by doing that. Did, uh, and make sure going back to a previous topic on another podcast that we did, does, is there automated pricing backup on those or is it only there is automated now. pricing? There didn't okay. used to be. So that was one of the problems is you could, you could walk price down to compete, but there wasn't an automatic backup uh, always in place. So you'd have to really manually manage that. That's been changed. So that was one of the new, in, this, in the first quarter, one of the things Amazon changed was to make it much easier to say, okay, and when those competitors are gone, I don't, I don't need to fight with them anymore. Here's the price mm-hmm. I want you to go back to. Um, yep. And that, that yep. makes that a lot. And th- there were third-party pricing tools that did that before. But, and, and if you're using one of those, great. Uh, repricer, there's kind of a repricing tools is what they're called. But now that you can manage that natively in the back end of Amazon, we always advise just using the back end of Amazon tools because for most things, if you're the manufacturer, that's sufficient. If you're, if you're a retail arbitrager, um, you're the enemy for us a lot of times. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you're a retail arbitrager, then you usually do need the extra features that one of those repricing third-party repricing tools has because uh, you're having to be super active on price. That's your whole game. But for if you're the manufacturer, the back end of uh, the back end tools in Amazon now were almost sufficient before, and now they're pretty much sufficient to kind of fight these things off. But you just want to send the signal that we're not going li- to that if we have to drop price, we're still going to win. We can drop price and still make money yep. where you can't. Um, yep. And that's the short term fix is just to send the warning. The longer term is, yeah, check your retail versus your wholesale pricing. Check your leaks in the supply chain. Check your contracts with your distributors. But yeah, Andy, you're totally right. Drop your price, fight them off. You can still have things like, there are times when you can't really do this too much. um, Because Walmart, for example, sometimes when Walmart sees a listing on Amazon is doing really well, Walmart will undercut that. Uh, And if it's first party product, not even one that you're managing as a seller, right? They'll undercut it just to mess with Amazon. And we've seen that before. We've had Walmart's buyers explain to us or Walmart's category managers explain to us that that's part of what they do. And in that case, you just have to kind of determine if you can survive without a buy box for a while. Usually Walmart's doing this for a couple of weeks just to throw a wrench into things and they move price back up. But um, if it's some kind of institutional attack like that, you just have to kind of wear your way through it. Um, Cause you're not going to be able to scare Walmart. When Walmart does that, they're selling at a loss and they know it and they're fine and they're fine because they think it hurts Amazon. They're just trying to gain, they're trying to gain traffic and trying to gain share. Right. Um, and you just have to live through it. But most of the time that's not the case. That's, that's much more rare than it used to be. Um, so yeah. in summary for this, Andy, as we wrap this up, I think my summary, and you tell me what yours is, is that, yeah, you need to know, you need to have a system for knowing when your listing's under attack. Um, we have a pretty simple one that has kind of six key metrics to give us the alarms if something's off, if something's way, way off, that allow us to at least get a first line of defense in what might be wrong so we can put things in place. Uh, you need to watch the store. Uh, you need to walk your own store, uh, first thing, to see if there's something visibly wrong with your listings, too. Um, and that the main types of attacks are uh, when somebody tries to buy up all the ad positions on your listings, when somebody tries to corner the market on keywords, or when 
retail arbitragers try and just slice under your price and kind of wipe out your buy box that way. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully we've given you plenty of, uh, plenty of uh, tactics and ways to, to protect your listings, things to look at, and just ways to make sure that you're able to come out on top here on Amazon. So lots of good stuff today as always, Tim. I appreciate uh, all the insights. Thank you to you, the listener. We appreciate you and we will catch you again next time. 